0: Good morning, good morning Rabotai Welcome to Breakfast and the Class Breakfast today is dedicated in loving memory of Abraham Megedish, Avraham menhuta Sponsored by his sister Tamar Megedish. Rabotai, we also want to say and wish condolences To the Queen of England, whose husband passed away uh, Prince Philip died this morning wow. uh, From what I understand maybe it was late last night, I don't know. I woke up this morning to the news. And um, these are uh, people who have welcomed the Jewish people um, and have made uh, England a safe haven for Jewish people for a very, very, very long time. Uh, and as well, during the war, the actions of the, of the King of England were instrumental in ensuring that British troops uh, ca- stayed on in the fight against the Nazis. And uh, on the day after um, Yom HaShoah, shh, it's important, to be able to show and to appreciate and to say Baruch, and as well in this case, to wish uh, to wish our condolences to the royal family uh, of England, and not that I assume that they listen to the morning class online, but uh, <laughs> that we have to do our part in uh, in, in wishing condolences uh, and, uh, and and nechama to the family um, uh, after uh, after this uh, this this pass- this passing. My friends, I wanted to share with you a beautiful idea from the pasuk. And Moshe says to Aharon, approach the Mizbeach. It sounds like Moshe had to tell, encourage, cajole Aharon to come close to the Mizbeach. And what is the meaning behind this hesitation in Aharon that Moshe needs to convince him to overcome? So Rashi, Quoting the Torah Kohanim says something fabulous. Shehaya Aharon Bosh, Viyare. Aharon was embarrassed, Viyare, and he was fearful. He was hesitant to approach them as Why? Because of the fact that when the Jewish people uh, saw that Moshe was not coming back, they came to Aharon, they said, Build us an idol. Aharon's trying to delay them. He says, oh, bring me the gold, you know, and then he throws it in the fire, and then this crazy thing happened, and then from that emerged this, the golden calf that we all talk about. So Aaron had a part to play in the Jewish people uh, worshiping Abu Dazarah. He felt, how could I now, a person who has that blemish, who has that stain on my record, how could I approach the Mizbeah? Um I want to share as well, that the Torah says that he saw the Mizbeach almost as in the shape of a, a, an ox, of a, uh, of a shore, of a, of a bull. Uh, some people say it, meant, it means physically that the corner of the Mizbeach has the bits that stick out, they're like the, the, the horns of the Mizbeach. So it reminded him of the sin that was in front of him. And uh, other people say other things. Now, let's deal with these concepts in two, different, uh, in two different iterations. The first iteration is that when he looked at the Mizbeach and it had these two little bits sticking up, that reminded him of a shore. Wow, menen luwen. You know, they say, if someone, uh, what's it called, is, uh, uh, has something on their mind, right, then, you know, then there's nothing you could do to, to make them not think, see, that thing in everything they go. In fact, there's a test called the Rorschach blot that they use in psychology where they show a person a bunch of different blots and ink images of really of nothing and they ask the person, what do you see? The person will say, I see a monster, I see a dollar bill, I see a monster taking a dollar bill, right? The thing that a person sees is what's going on in his mind, okay? So Aaron is someone that sat uh, with the sin of that he had done with the mistake, however small it may have been according to his level, the sin that he made a mistake, it was always on his mind. So much so that he looks at a mizbech that has two pointy bits at the end and he sees a shore. Beautiful lesson in how the Sadiqim carry with them their, uh, like it says by David HaMelech, chatati, negdi, tamid, they engage in teshuva all the time. But there's also deeper ideas here as well uh, the representation of the Mizbeach is represented by Ashur, but we're not going to get into that. Rabu'tai, Moshe senses that Aharon is embarrassed. He feels, Mabisir, how could I be the one bringing the korbanot, bringing the sacrifices? Two minutes ago, I had this whole embarrassing saga. It's this stain on my record. He, he was embarrassed. And Moshe says to him, Kirav Mizbeach." Stay, go close. You need to do this. Why are you embarrassed? Why are you hesitating? It was for this you were chosen. This is your chosen job, your chosen mission. And the sefarim all ask the same question. What does it mean that Moshe Rabbeinu was telling Aharon, don't be embarrassed. You were chosen to be the Kohen. Those two things are not relevant. Number one, I have this job. That's true. God appointed me, gave me this job. But also, I'm embarrassed because I feel unworthy. I've made this terrible mistake. How could, I, uh, how could I be the right person? And there's many different answers. I'm aware of at least five, six different approaches to answer this question. Um, and I would like to perhaps focus on one of the approaches in this idea. Lama Atabosh. Why are you embarrassed? For this you were chosen. The Imre Emet writes, he quotes the Sefer, he quotes the Maharchu, the uh, Rav Chaim Vital, he quotes the Vilna Gaon, where he illustrates this concept that every single person, they attend, they visit this world for a very specific purpose. They are here to accomplish a job. And while every Jew has to do every mitzvah. They need to practice everything that they can to live the right way. Ultimately, the key to that person's ganeden, to them fulfilling their destiny, is not just in the random achievement of mitzvot, even to very high levels, but it is the specific achievement of the mitzvah, the refraining from an averah, that this person was sent to this world to reveal that portion, to be that piece of the puzzle, in K'vod Shamaim, in the the honor of heaven, okay? So the Chachamim ask, if I was sent to this world to achieve this one singular mission, that that's what I was supposed to do, and anything else that I I do in my life is beautiful, but really isn't the point, okay? It's kind of like booking the nicest hotel room, and you spend all your time talking about the finishes, this lamp, these, these pillows, these blankets, everything's great, but you don't have the key. It's gorgeous. You prepared a Gan Eden forever. Amazing. But you don't have the key. You can't get in. Because you didn't do the thing that you came here to do. You didn't do your sole mission and purpose. So the Vilna Gaon and the Maharchu asked, like, so what is a person supposed to do with that? How do I know what my mission was? And you should just know, back in the day, when we had a a Kohen Gadol that had access to the Urim V'tumim, they would go, people would go, and they would ask the Kohen Gadol, what am I supposed to focus on? What do I need to work on in this world to be able to fulfill my mission? What do I do? And the Kohen Gadol would tell them, using the Urim, you tell them what to do. Or a navi prophet. Unfortunately, today, Judaism, like we say, today Judaism is a non-profit business. <laughs> we have Chachamim, but prophets, we don't have anymore. No Navim anymore. So what's a person supposed to do to be able to tap into their, their life's mission, their Ya'ud, um, like uh, the, the sefarim and the chachamim call it, what do they do to be able to tap into that? A- and not that you lived your whole life and you need to come back again because you didn't because you didn't manage to sort out that one thing that you needed to work on. So the chachamim, the Emet, others, they all say something magnificent. They say God left us a breadcrumb trail. Remember in Hansel and Gretel, a breadcrumb trail teaching you how to get back home. You don't have an avi, I got you. You don't have a urim tumim? I got you. All the person needs is a little bit of quiet, a little bit of introspection, and a little bit of honesty. Look at your life. What are and what is the most difficult thing for you to do? That's the thing that you came here for. The chafetz Chaim brings an unbelievable mashallah. He says, you know, sometimes you go to war, back in the day, war was very obvious, right? You had a line of soldiers with muskets or with uh, arrows, other line of soldiers with muskets or arrows. They ran at each other, they killed each other, and the last people, people had the last, last, last man standing at the end, they were the ones that won. That's what war was. But today, and, you know, war is much more complicated. You go into a city. You don't know where the headquarters are. It's hidden somewhere. How do you know where the battle is? And the Khafetz Chaim used to say, he said, look for the place that they're guarding the hardest. Where's a place where there's snipers on the roof? Where there's a tank at the front door? Where, you know, there's helicopters flying overhead? Because if this place is so strategic and it's so important that they need to guard it with this level of security, you know that this is what they're afraid to lose. The Yetzirah is no different. He's happy to let you learn this Gemara, happy to let you do this, happy to let you have Shalom, but he won't let you have, he won't have a good relationship with your kids. He won't let you fulfill the mitzvot the You know, he lets you do everything, but he doesn't, you know, he don't let you do tzedakah. Tzedakah, Rabbi, I got to tell you, that's, that's, that's my button, that one's hard for me. If that's the hard one, that's the one you came here for. That's what the Chafetz Chaim says. That's the Emre Emet says. So they carry on. They say something so beautiful. They say that Moshe Rabbeinu was communicating to Aaron. He said to him, you, you're worried? You're embarrassed? You, you're, you're, you're hesitant to approach the Mizbeach? This specific thing, <speaking in Hebrew> this is your job now. If this is so hard for you to do, then this is what God chose you for. He chose you to overcome this mistake that you made. By the way, it helped me understand something very, very uh, powerful. There's two instances in the Gemara where I was left flabbergasted. Um, When I say there's two instances in the Gemara that left me flabbergasted, I mean two that I'm going to share with you in this direct moment. There's millions of other instances that left me flabbergasted in the Gemara. It's not very easy studying the Gemara, okay? But... There's two instances, two stories. Story number one is Yehuda. The story of Yehuda seems fascinating. Whole story with Tamar. It seems very inappropriate what happened. The Gemara says, he was pushed by an angel. It was a guy out of his free will choice to be able to do what he did. Same thing we find David Amelech. Anyone that says David Amelech ata he's only making a mistake my question is, in all these cases where the Gemara seems to say that the person had free will choice taken away from them in that sin, how does that fit with Judaism? I don't understand. The minute you take free will out of the equation, the whole system of Judaism crumbles. The whole point is for us to be able to choose to do the right thing or to not choose and then to live with the consequences coming closer of coming closer or moving further from God. And the answer is, my friends, it doesn't say anywhere that every specific, every individual situation that a person goes through in life, every one of them is a free will choice. It says that we're here to enact free choice. There's lots of things that we don't have choice in. And sometimes Borea Olam wasn't testing Yehuda with the test of Tamar, he was setting the table with the test of Tamar to test Yehuda with his response. Sadakami <inaudible> mani, she was right. Yehuda admitted publicly that he was wrong that was the test what was the test of David Melech? if this wasn't a sin the answer is on, or on whatever level it was it was but the answer is my friends it was for David Melech to say after being chastised by Natana and Abi, to say Chatati. I made a mistake unlike Shaul who when Shaul made a mistake what happened he couldn't no it's the people I thought this I thought that Okay, so Rabotai, this concept that the difficult, in fact the most difficult things that we encounter in our lives, this is what you were made for, this is what you were born for, and everything else is in many ways there, the Etzara is there happy to distract you with all these other things. Even mitzvot, he doesn't mind losing that battle because if he loses this, this for him is the war, clear? According to this, I understood the words of the Mishnah in a very different light. The words of the Mishnah go as follows. Rabbi Yochanan tells, tells he teaches, if you learned a lot of Torah, don't, uh, don't feel that great about yourself. Why? Interesting, listen to the words now that we've said these words today so many times. You were created for this. So you read the Mishnah, you think, okay, the, yeah, why are you being proud? This is what you gotta do. But now we understand something very different. Imla <speaking> Torah <in Hebrew> This is my chidush. I hope it's emet. If you learned a lot of Torah, what does that tell you? That Torah learning for you is relatively easy. You learned Torah harbe. Imla Torah Altakzik don't feel so great about that. Ki What does it mean that for this you were created? Not what, it, it, not what we said before. Don't feel great about that. Because anyway, this is what you... Lekach goes on the middle sentence. You learned a lot of Torah? Al tachzik tova was the purpose of your creation. The purpose of your creation was to learn a lot, which was easy. And then to not feel so great about it, not to be so arrogant about it, to maintain humility. So in our brains, we think the job was learning, and I just have to make sure that I wasn't humble. But that's like an add on, an addendum to the main job, which was learning. And, and maybe now we're learning something very different. If, if that was easy, that wasn't the job. <laughs> the arrogance was the test. The learning that was God making it easy for you, just setting the table so that you'd have a free will choice to make. Rabotai, the Hara's greatest weapon is slate of hand. The hand moves faster than the eye. He makes you think that the job is one thing and the job is really something else. And you know, I remember once putting together a bike for one of my kids. And, you know, they wanted to, they were going to come home and the end of the afternoon, you know, and they wanted it to be ready for them. So I'm trying to put it together very quickly. Baruch Hashem, you know, uh, uh, Jewish people were very blessed with a lot of things, carpentry and uh, putting things together and building things. Not necessarily one of them, right? Um, but I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get the bike together. I'm following the instructions. Anyway, I'm spending all this time putting the decals on the bike, you know, the little kind of strings coming out of the side of the thing. I got the bike looks beautiful. But it's getting closer and closer. And what I forget? I I haven't yet put together the brakes. (laughs) Beautiful kid's bike. That's going to get them killed. Yeah? Sometimes you get so caught up in the stickers, in the shiny, that you miss the whole point. So, Rabotai, if ever there was an important thing to do, it is to take stock of our lives and to ask ourselves, it's true, I'm investing a lot of time, effort, energy, money into Judaism. Is it in the right part? Could you imagine after 120, you spent so much time in Torah and mitzvot, just not the bit that you needed to do? What a shame that would be. So a little introspection, a little bit of quiet, and a little bit of honesty, and I think we can uncover the journey that was supposed to be going on, ki you were chosen for this, to overcome this story, that you were created for this each person is created for a different thing in this way you know there was once a baby camel that sat with its mother and the baby camel says to the mother she says i don't understand why do we have these uh these hooves and the mother says oh because of the shifting sands and the dune you know in the, in the desert you know uh, you, you have uh, okay then he asks you know, uh, the, 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 you know, the, 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 the pause. He, then the mother, he asks, why, why do we have these humps on our back? And the, 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 the mother says to the, um, to, the, to the child, she says, well, we have these humps because we have to travel long distances across the desert. There's no food, there's no water. So we store sustenance in these humps that when we can't eat, we can't drink, we could draw energy, we could draw koach, um, power from those things in these long journeys, you know, across the desert. Any more questions, my, son, my daughter? And the, the, baby, the baby camel says to the mother, yeah, and why is it that we have these long eyelashes? And he says, well, in the sandstorms in the desert, you know, it's very difficult for the sand gets in the eye, so these lashes are long uh, in front of the eyes so it can kind of attract and catch the dust before it gets to the actual eyes to bother us. And... Uh, and the, the baby, the baby this, young, this young camel is shaking its head and the mother says, sweetheart, are there any other questions that you have? And the, the, the camel says to its mother, what the heck are we doing in a zoo in New Jersey? <laughs> you know, there are a lot of things that God creates an animal or a human with to be able to fulfill a specific mission. And there are many times that in that mission, A person finds themselves or takes themselves to a place where the most important elements of what and how they were created never even get used. What an incredible opportunity it is um, when we read about someone like Aharon who's hesitant, to recognize that that hesitancy can only create clarity for us in our lives and a much greater chance of success of, uh, of hitting a grand slam in our own spiritual journeys on the face of this planet. Baruch Adonai